and welcome to the Stockouts. This is the show at Freightways where we set aside 26 minutes to talk about CPG companies and CPG companies' supply chains, um, sort of filter through the data and articles and information that comes out and, and sort of talk about which ones, you know, specifically, um, you know, mean something for the consumer packaged goods industry and, uh, you know, what exactly that means. So we do this show every Monday at two o'clock Eastern. Uh, also do a newsletter that comes out um, you know, a couple times a week, uh, which you can see it there. Uh, so all you, if you're interested in CPG companies, CPG company supply chains, you know, what, what you know, implications for their trans- freight transportation expenses, et cetera, all you need to do is go to freightwaves.com and then up at the top, uh, go to uh, the, the list of newsletters and the stockout is the first one there in blue under uh, supply chains. Um, so it really have free reign to talk about, um, you know, what I find interesting, uh, you know, sort of with those, uh, with, with those parameters. You know, last week was talking about the, the Indonesian uh, palm oil uh, situation, which has, has a big, you know, impact. Uh, today, I'll be talking about uh, railroads and um, the, the p- potential for additional regulations on service. I uh, heard, heard a lot last week from the Surface Transportation Board and from various parties uh, testifying uh, before the Surface Transportation Board. Also going to run through some sonar uh, highlights. Um, so I'll do those things today and, and talk a little bit about what CPG companies have said um, you know, during their earnings reports, which I think on, on, on balance have been pretty uh, positive um, you know, as they have been for the carriers. But I'll talk a little bit about you know, some of the high-level trends and you know, how that may be you know different or consistent with um, sonar data points. Also, I hope to see um, you know many of you at the um, uh, conference next week. You know, next week we have our big conference uh, in person, first one in person since uh, late 2019. This is going to be in Northwest Arkansas. I don't think it's too late to sign up for this. I think we have about a thousand people uh, signed up, and some of the CPG heavy hitters that are going to be there include Nestle. Unilever and Tyson. Um, so Nestle and, and uh, Tyson specifically have been performing really well. It's really been, you know, quite impressive. So uh, be a great opportunity to network and hope to meet some uh, loyal stockout uh, viewers and subscribers there. Um, so with that, I'll get into my first topic today, which is uh, consumer uh, shifts is mostly sparing the CPG companies. And there's been a lot of discussion here at FreightWaves about. Uh, changes in consumer spending patterns, and you know we talk a lot about uh, consumers shifting, you know, back from goods, you know, back into services. And I think that's true, but I don't think that's the whole story. I think you also have, you know, a situation where their uh, consumers are cutting back on things that are, you know, discretionary, um, you know, in nature, amid inflation that's at a, at a forty-year high. And I do think this is very bifurcated um, between. You know various products that take segment you know different um, you know consumer consumer markets. So on the services side, I mean you see you know airline traffic you know, basically at the highest level it's been in a really long time. People sort of um, seem to be taking sort of revenge vacations after being cooped up. So there's a lot of of, of that taking place. But um, you know also just sort of the general headlines um, with with consumers cutting back on services. I mean things like you know Netflix. Um, you know, people canceling subscriptions there, um, you know, certain sporting events, you're seeing a lot of empty seats. I know here, you know, locally, uh, the Texas Rangers had their first opening day that was not a sellout in many years. And it's, it's just kind of those types of services, um, you know, you see, uh, you know, sort of things that are completely, you know, discretionary in nature um, have, have been pretty poor, so, you know, bad report from Gap. So things like, you know, clothing, 
electronics, um, ex- you know, some experiences that are a little bit more discretionary, that are maybe a little less special people are cutting back on, um, but they're still taking that, you know, taking that vacation. So um, as far as CPG um, comes into play, I mean, is that going to be something, you know, consumers cut back on as well? I mean, keep in mind, most CPG items are still running above uh, pandemic levels, uh, above pre-pandemic, uh, you know, levels. There was a big surge in 2020 as people, you know, bought more CPGs as they stayed home. There's been some uh, retrenchment um, of that, but still, for you know, for the most part, you know, CPG items are at above, uh, you know, pre-pandemic levels for things like food, just with people, you know, eating more at home uh, for, for breakfast and, and, and lunch. Uh, the office has been the, sort of the one place where people haven't returned to, uh, you know, from the pandemic. But at least so far, CPG uh, sales have been holding up, um, you know, in the face of more spending on services and uh, inflation, um, you know, being at a 40-year high. And, and some, some of the you know, statistics here that we've seen from companies that have recently reported earnings, um, you know, see some companies like, you know, Procter & Gamble, which increased their prices sort of in the mid-single-digit range. Their volume was still up 3%. Uh, you know, Nestle's prices rose uh, 5% in the last quarter, and their volume still increased 2.4%. So some of those CPG companies that have increased prices more moderately in, let's say, the 4 5% range, they're still seeing volume improvements. Uh, whereas, um, you know, Unilever is a little bit of a different story. They increased their prices 8.3% on average, and they saw a 1% decline in volume, which explains why um, you know, a lot of the CPG companies over the past year uh, decided to take that margin hit. I mean, really, throughout last year, most CPG companies have, have seen gross margin pressure anywhere from a couple hundred basis points to, uh, in some cases, you know, over a thousand basis points on average. Maybe it's, it's three or four hundred basis points, but they are very cognizant of not increasing prices too aggressively too fast. And it seems like for most CPG companies, consumers will tolerate a price increase that's four or five percent. Uh, maybe six, seven percent, but when they get into sort of a ten percent price increase, uh, something of that nature, consumers uh, not only notice that but actually start to change their behavior. And CPG companies, I think, more so than than most, um, you know, really uh, you know susceptible to consumers changing their their you know buying uh, habits. And a lot of what CPG items are bought, uh, you know, tends to be kind of habit driven. You know, someone will. Uh, you know, want to cut back, so they buy a generic product instead of the name brand product. They realize it's just as good for less, and you know, all of a sudden they're they're no longer a, a customer of the national brand. So it does seem like um, most CPG companies' sales are holding in there as as long as they are, um, you know, not raising their prices too much. And it does it just doesn't seem like it's the first thing that consumers are are, are cutting back on when you look at um, you know sales sort of across the you know wide range of of, of consumer goods. Uh, topic number two here is uh, CPG companies still describe freight costs as potential headwinds. Now, we've talked a lot on FreightWaves.com. I'm sure you've all seen the, the headlines, read the articles of the trucking bloodbath uh, that's coming, um, but have a, a sonar chart that shows you know, van contracts still you know, well ahead of last year. So you see the blue line is 2022 you know, van contract rates. These do not include fuel. So it would be even a bigger spread between this year and last if it, if it did include fuel. But you know, even without fuel, we're looking at, on average, $2.90 a mile. 
for, for van. And that's uh, against $2.40 a mile a, a year ago. Um, and, and those rates um, were higher than they were in, in 2020, 2019. So those are about 20% higher year over year, um, you know, before fuel. And that's why you've seen a lot of CPG companies, when they've reported earnings, have mentioned not only supply chain, uh, continuation of supply chain challenges as being a headwind for their financials, but also uh, rising uh, freight transportation costs. One in particular, Procter & Gamble, you know, they, they highlighted that, uh, you know, freight costs as being uh, another headwind in 2022. So, you know, I, I don't think it's a contradiction to see headlines at FreightWave saying a, a, a trucking bloodbath is coming while the, the CPG companies are uh, saying freight costs are still going to be a headwind. The differences, those articles on freight waves, those are forward-looking, you know, articles. They're sort of prognostications of, you know, what usually happens when we see the patterns in the data that we're seeing, and what what CPG companies are actually paying in the marketplace today, to a large extent, reflected how tight the truckload market has been the past two years. And so, um, you know, it's throughout last year, contract prices rose. And right now, carriers are, are, are benefiting from that and ship, shippers are, are having to, to pay more. So that's really, um, you know, how I would explain, you know, those two things and, and don't think they contradict, um, you know, at all. Um, also, another, um, you know, reason for that is that the, the contract rates have held up much better, at least so far, you know, than the spot rates, um, the, the large carriers, the large shippers primarily play in that contract market, um, the, the spot market, you know, to a large extent, the smaller carriers play in that market, and I'll talk a little bit more um, with an exhibit later on. But, but, but really, um, the, the CPG company is still facing another year of, of headwinds on the um, on the contract uh, contract side. Uh, the next topic here is diesel prices uh, just hit a new high, and um, you know it's a good article on FreightWaves.com. You know, over the weekend, uh, talking about diesel prices and why they're so important. And you know, even though most people don't fill up their uh, tank with with diesel, they use uh, you know gasoline. It, it's it's still hard to escape the fact that diesel prices hit you know every you know sector of the economy. And have a chart on this from from Sonar, and this is really kind of a, kind of astounding just how how quickly uh, diesel prices have have shot up. So here we are at um, a national rate, uh, you know, national price of five dollars and thirty five cents a gallon. That's a dollar sixty higher than it was in, in February 1st. So, you know, these were sharply up, uh, you know, year, year over year, uh, even before the, the Ukraine, you know, situation. But uh, clearly the, the Ukraine situation has, has exacerbated um, the, the, the fuel price, you know, issue. And, you know, what this means for, you know, CPG companies is, is really, you know, diesel fuel and just, um, you know, petroleum prices, they find their way into lots of different components within, the CPG company's cost structure. It's not just the freight transportation costs. It's also um, you know, the farming equipment that uses diesel, um, you know, petroleum. A lot of the, the packaging um, is petroleum-based, and, and, and the, the packaging represents a large portion of CPG company's cost structure that's in sort of that 15 20% um, you know, range of their cost of sales is, is packaging. A lot of that is, is, is petroleum-based. So the diesel, um, you know, market, um, you know, ha has a big, you know, impact, and it's it's one thing that, um, you know, is also going to contribute to um, this. I think that a lot of the smaller trucking companies that aren't properly protected with, you know, fuel surcharges uh, could could put pressure on, you know, those companies. 
Um, and another thing that I would highlight here that's, that's you know, very important to, to, to CPG companies is to make sure that your fuel surcharges that, you, that are in place you know, when your, your contracts are negotiated are fair. A lot of the larger uh, truckload carriers will attempt to and um, you know, will profit on you know, fuel surcharges. And really, the, the, the way they do that is the fuel surcharge is, let's say, based on a commercial vehicle getting six miles per gallon but they're really getting eight in the field because the carriers do so much um, to improve uh, aerodynamics. Uh, they'll do things like having the, 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 tailor, the trailer fins, they'll have low rolling, low rolling resistance tires. So those type of things enable a lot of carriers to actually perform you know, better than the, the MPG that they're telling customers they get. So that's something for um, you know, CPG companies and shippers to be, to be aware of, to, you know, to, to, to make sure that um, you know, in, in their contracts, the, the fuel surcharges are realistic um, and not uh, overly, you know, punitive. And, and, and those miles per gallon, those companies have gotten have improved, you know, greatly over the years. So sometimes it's based off of an outdated, um, you know, miles per gallon in, in, in that fuel surcharge uh, calculation. Uh, topic uh, number four here is the gap is closing between uh, spot rates and contract rates. And so I have a, a sonar chart on this um, where, you know, those, those contract rates I was just talking about a minute ago, that's, it's, it's a different format, but, but that same blue line. So that same $2.90, you know, those have risen steadily. It almost looks like they've cracked a little bit from a high of $3 to, to, to $2.90. And, you know, last week it almost looked like maybe that was a sort of a down, downward, you know, trend. But, you know, those, those, those contracts are a little bit, you know, choppy. These are actual uh, transactions that are being you know, processed, you know, in the field. And we have this on a, you know, very short, um, you know, delay. We have it basically through the end of, of April. But, but really, you know, takeaway from this chart is, you know, uh, spot rates were, were way above, you know, contract rates. You know, uh, if you look back at the beginning of the year, spot rates were over $3.75. Let's call it $3.80 a mile. And contract rates were about $2.80 a mile. So they were about a dollar higher and they've collapsed where now it's showing a four cent uh, spread. And um, th this is not completely apples to apples because the, the spot rates, that green line um, does is inclusive of fuel, um, of, of any fuel, whereas the blue line does not include fuel surcharges. So really, if you compare this on an apples to apples basis, the contract rates are higher than spot rates. And so that really suggests that the, the small you know, truckload carriers are the ones that are, um, you know, com going to you know, come under pressure. There was a good article um, in uh, Freight Waves that our new uh, editorial writer, um, Rachel, Rachel Premack, wrote um, saying that the, the, the trucking bloodbath that we've talked so much about, this is not going to apply equally to carriers of all sizes. It's really going to particularly impact the smaller, you know, trucking companies. Those tend to be the ones where um, you know, someone was maybe a company driver, they got their, you know, they bought a truck, probably bought the truck on the, the used market for, you know, way too much. And those used truck prices have been really high. Now they're in business for themselves. And those are the companies that are going to come under a lot of pressure. They don't buy fuel anywhere near as well as the large trucking fleets, which buy the fuel, um, you know, in bulk. And those, um, you know, new business owners are, you know, less sophisticated. They haven't seen all the cycles. They aren't, you know, able to protect themselves as well, and really sort of rely on the on, on the on the spot market, and, and really sort of what encouraged them to get into the uh, market in the first place was the um, the high spot rates. You know, those spot rates coming way down. Um, you know, we do think uh, that that a lot of those carriers are going to 
are going to go bankrupt. Um, and, and just think there are too many of them. Um, there were certain exhibits in, 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 in sonar that show that we have record number of new truck, you know, registrations. So, um, you know, I think the, the, the market, um, you know, corrected too much, um, on the supply side specifically for, um, you know, the, the, the carriers that are trying to address the, the, the spot market, you know, the, the ones that are addressing the contract market, you know, they're more sophisticated carriers. Uh, they have been you know, more judicious about, um, you know, adding, you know, capacity and uh, they have the scale to address, um, you know, the, the needs of the very large shippers, which includes a lot of, uh, you know, CPG companies. So the implication of sort of what that means for, you know, CPG companies, if I'm, um, you know, a CPG company and I'm a buyer of uh, transportation, um, you know, so the advice that I would have is, is first, just make sure that you know that you're the preferred shipper and, you know, act in, in that manner. So, you know, we don't really know what's going to happen with, you know, construction, you know, spending, even though it's hot right now, you know, that could go away with higher interest rates. Um, that's true of a lot of companies that, um, you know, ship, you know, discretionary type, um, type goods, goods that are sensitive to interest rates, those type of things. CPG, you might see a little bit of volatility there in terms of volume, but it's, it's going to be much less than, you know, what you see with other types of, of freight, you know, just because CPG is kind of, for a lot of consumers, sort of the last thing they, 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 they cut back on. So I know you're a preferred shipper and, um, you know, when you, you, when you benchmark your rates against the rates that we have in Sonar, you know, I think you should get a little bit better rate than, let's say, the, the, the average. And we do have some data in, in Sonar that shows exactly, you know, that, that segments that out where you're comparing uh, just rates that CPG companies are, 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 are paying. Um, you know, also, uh, really, if, if there's any discretion on, um, you know, when you negotiate the freight contract rates, I think those freight contract rates have to come down. They do tend to follow what happens with the um, with, with the with the the spot rates, and so we've seen spot rates, you know, come down, cross below where contract rates are. That's usually a signal where contract rates are about to fall. So, to the extent that um, you know, CPG company can sort of drag its feet. Um, you know, negotiate a contract, you know, later in the season, you know, versus versus earlier in the season, um, you know, I'd advise them to do that. Also, um, you know, really, I, I would say CPG companies should be prepared to, uh, you know, re rebid, uh, you know, freight contracts that, um, you know, don't want to be locked into a, a, a year, you know, contract. And, and the fact that, um, you know, C uh, um, freight contracts don't have any teeth, you know, we think about that as, as carriers not being compliant, but, that not having teeth works both ways. So, um, you know, would be uh, advise CPG companies to be to be nimble, uh, you know, there um, and, and really watch the freight rates that are in, you know, sonar to, to see where the market is and make sure you're not paying uh, more than the market. Uh, move on to topic number five, and this will pertain to companies that are in, um, you know, food industry um, and uh, this is grain shipping on the rails. Is, uh, is is not going well from a for, from the perspective of um, you, you know it's just the, the, the rail fluidity has not been there and have a, a, a grain you know chart here so this is uh, weekly grain speeds um, reported to the AAR and so this is in miles per hour and 2022 is this blue line and uh, the grain uh, trains are running 20 and a half miles per hour so you know you look and that's the worst that's been. In this, in this period that goes back through 2019, so called three and a half years. And, you know, really, um, you know, what's happened there is there's been a, a lot of, um, you know, shipments of, of, of grain because the prices have been so high. So that encourages farmers to move 
grain uh, to take advantage of those high prices. Um, and at the same time, the carriers have had uh, difficulty finding enough people, uh, even though those are uh, good jobs um, by most uh, you know, standards. And um, it sort of uh, brought up this debate about whether or not um, the, the poor service that shippers are seeing on the railroads has been you know, really a result of not have the rails not having enough people, or has it been a result of the precision scheduled railroading, which has led to uh, tremendous investment returns in the railroad um, you know, industry? There was a, a hearing um, two days last week at the Surface Transportation Board in Washington, D.C. The Surface Transportation Board is the company, or not the company, the, the um, organization um, that's part of the, the federal government that has re uh, regulatory oversight over the, the, the railroads in. Um, you know, in um, you know, uh, issues of service and uh, and economics, and it was the first um, you know hearing that uh, Surface Transportation Board um, you know basically interviewed uh, the Transportation Secretary um, Pete Buttigieg was there, and you know various other um, you know constituents, uh, including the fertilizer industry, various shippers, um, and so these things get to be. Uh, you know, companies um, that, that ship on the railroads complaining about service, sort of urging the Surface Transportation Board to take some action. And there was, um, you know, an ex uh, a, a propose, notice of proposed rulemaking, which basically says that the Surface Transportation Board um, has the ability to amend service rules to provide relief for shippers in situations that may require immediate relief. So if we do get into a situation where, um, there is a uh, you know, service issue on the railroad. Farmers are not able to get their their, their crops to market in, in a timely manner. Um, service Transportation Board, in, in theory, could you know create have some mandates that require the railroads to prioritize you know some of those uh, some of those shipments. Um, and uh, you know, I, I would say um, you know, Service Transportation Board is more shipper friendly than it has been in the past. Um, you know, this is the one that's that's led by um, Marty Oberman, who, um, you know, Democrat from Illinois, who um, has, has had, you know, much stronger, you know, language than we've seen from other iterations of the Surface Transportation Board, where, um, you know, recognize that the, the railroads have, have had strong pricing for some time. Really, the, uh, the, the service levels have not, you know, reflected that. So if I'm, you know, a CPG company or a supplier to CPG, let's say in the agriculture industry, someone that moves fertilizer, someone that moves you know bulk type materials, um, you know I wouldn't hesitate to uh, tell the Surface Transportation Board what um, my issues have been on the railroad, and they seem to be looking for um, you know for anecdotes and sort of if you want to say ammunition to um, you know find a reason to. Uh, make more strict, um, you know, rules for the, the the railroad. They've already required the railroads to report more service metrics than they have in the past, and those are available on um, the Surface Transportation Board's website. You know, every week, I'm trying to get those into Sonar as well. At least the few that I really think are important, and you know, some of those um, would be things like, you know, how you know basically the time it takes for a, a train to, to get, you know, loaded and, and, and rolling and, you know, why those trains are, are delayed, whether it's because there's not enough power or not enough crewing. Um, so uh, this is going to be an issue that I think is going to be a big deal um, in, uh, in, in surface transportation, um, particularly for these, the, the, the shippers of big uh, bulk commodities. It would not pertain to intermodal. Intermodal is um, deemed to be competitive because there's always a highway 
uh, option. Um, but with uh, for CPT companies, you know, specifically, you know, they use a lot of agriculture as as, as key input. So I'm going to be watching this one uh, closely. Um, and so uh, with that, that's really what I wanted to go over. Uh, you know, this week, if uh, you want to hear more. Uh, from me, if this was not enough, I'm going to be on Thomas Wasson's show tomorrow afternoon, um, which is called Loaded and Rolling. And uh, there I'm going to be talking about Intermodal, uh, which Intermodal has really um, you know, been an interesting uh, you know, segment lately. The companies that reported their, their earnings, uh, J.B. Hunt, Schneider, last week, Hub Group reported. Those have all been really strong. Um, a lot of interesting commentary there where those companies are, are, are getting back all the the, the rising costs they're seeing from the railroads, from Drayman, and passing those on and and more. And um, there's been a lot of investment there with, you know, those companies taking delivery of of containers. Um, but I also think, um, you know, really, you know, sort of going forward, you know, some of the, their, their volumes are still going to be subject to the same issues where that, that, that you're going to see with dry van with, you know, consumers cutting back on, on, on demand. But um, we're definitely going to dig into that. Uh, next week and um, would uh, encourage you again to sign up for my newsletter at www.freightwaves.com forward slash the stock out. And that's pretty much it for me. Hope to see everyone in um, Northwest Arkansas next week.